Good morning. How are we doing? Good to see you today. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Usually it's customary. Somebody says, Happy Thanksgiving. All right, go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program. We're just going to fire up today and go. Um, you can follow along with me. We are in Psalm uh, 23 this morning. And as you know, um, I start like way in advance um, to uh, plan each series that we do uh, every year. And so when I first started to think about uh, this series in Psalm 23, um, I, I looked at verse 5 uh, just briefly, and my original thought here was like, David at verse 5 is, is, is taking like a completely different road. He's shifting it. He's slamming it out of first into neutral, reversing it up, going back to first, and, and he's going a different direction. Uh, I, I kind of thought that he was abandoning the whole sheep shepherd kind of metaphor. Thought he might be replacing it with a feast metaphor. Because today's verse says this. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Because the last time I checked, sheep, they don't like to eat at the table. Right? Or, or drink from cups, for that matter. So, so David is adding some new elements here that can be interpreted probably multiple ways. And, and what I found out is like today's verse is about abundance on Thanksgiving weekend. That's how God works things, right? It's about abundance when we walk with the shepherd. And so when you read the Bible, you clearly see that God is a generous God. And I'm not only talking about like material things. God does bless us with money and material things for sure. I get that. But God also is generous with so many other things. He is generous with his love. He is generous with his mercy and his compassion, with his joy. With his victory and happiness and and forgiveness, he pours out these things on us in abundance. And I think sometimes we confuse happiness with possessions in our culture and our society. And we miss a big part of God's blessing. And it is true, under certain conditions, God does bless people with Money, I get that, right? I, I believe that when God does that, he does so because he knows exactly what that person's going to do with the blessings that, that he gives them. He knows how they'll impact the kingdom because of the resources that they have. But my point is that's not the only way that God blesses. And so today we're going to look at verse 5. It talks about abundance and, and how we can experience that in Christ. And we're going to see how we can learn to fully enjoy uh, his blessings. And so, again, this week, we're just going to break down verse 5. Uh, just, just, you know, phrase by phrase, bit by bit. 
and, uh, and we're going to get it done here. So the first phrase is, you prepare a table uh, before me in the presence of my enemies. And so last week I talked about during certain seasons of the year, the shepherd leads his flock to higher ground to give them a better pasture to graze in. And so these plateaus of ranges have been called the same name for centuries. Uh, both here and in Europe and parts of Africa, they're known as the Masas. It's a Spanish word for tableland. And a tableland is an elevated area of land with a flat top and sides that usually have steep cliffs. And so David is kind of using a play on words here because he's wanting to present a couple of images. And one image is is that of a shepherd caring for his sheep. And then two, the image of God uh, preparing a banquet table for his people. And, And so as we learned last week during the spring and early summer, a shepherd would visit the highlands once or twice to get them ready, knowing that the flock would, would make this trip in, in, in the coming months. And so he would prepare the table, so to speak. But by pulling weeds and, and cutting out the poisonous plants that, that sometimes would grow wild in these mountain ranges, so that when the sheep would arrive, everything would be ready for them. Now, I've been to a few banquets, like Northwest Christian School, right? They have a banquet downtown. They do it every year. It's a, it's a great banquet, right? Great fruit, food, great speaker, great people to uh, have dinner with. And by the way, I didn't get an invite last year. And like we have several Northwest Christian families. I'm, I'm a little hurt, but that's all right. It's okay. It's a great banquet. I remember some years ago a few banquets that have been here uh, in Spokane for pastors, and and I'm not sure I would call them a banquet, right? Well, like nothing wrong with having streamlined meal for a huge group. I kind of get that, but I'm not sure the paper plates and the plastic forks and the brownie wrapped in cellophane, right, is banquet kind of stuff. Because in a real banquet, you have like real plates and real silverware. Food's not yanked out of a freezer and microwaved at the last minute. And here's what I think the problem is. The problem is that many people equate the Christian life with a cellophane brownie kind of banquet. Right? They think God gives us only like the bare minimum. And again, I'm not talking solely about material possessions here, but rather the emotional and the spiritual quality of life that we have in Christ Jesus. He's not stingy with forgiveness. He he is not stingy with His grace or His love or His joy. He, He pours all of these things out in abundance. And you know, people ask me all the time, how... Happy do we deserve to be. As if God only wants us to be like a little bit happy. That's all you get. I always answer this way. 
First of all, I always say God is more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. That's just out there. And then secondly, I say you can have all the happiness and the contentment and all the peace and the love and the joy that you're willing to receive. So so as I mentioned last week, going back to sheep, that they walk to the highlands and it can be very dangerous, right? Predators are out there in the mountains and they don't have to deal with them when you're down below. Modern day shepherd Philip Keller says frequently these predators would remain on the rim rock watching every movement of the sheep. just waiting for their opportunity to strike. But even though the predators are there, ready to strike, watching and waiting, they're helpless to make their move if a shepherd is properly tending to his sheep. It was Christmas Eve, 1875, and Ira Sankey was traveling on the Delaware River steamboat when he recognized, or was recognized by some of the passengers. His picture had been in the newspaper because he was the worship leader for D.L. Moody. And they asked him to sing one of his own hymns, but Sankey objected and he said, you know what, I prefer to sing William B. Bradbury's hymn, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. And so that's the song that He sang, and one of the stanzas begins, We are thine, uh, do thou befriend us, be the guardian of our way, 1800s. (laughs) When, When he finished, a man stepped out from the back of the crowd and asked, Did you ever serve in the Union Army? Sankey answered, and he said, Yeah, in the spring of 1860. The guy goes, Can you... Remember if you were doing picket duty? Do you know what picket duty is way back in the day? That those were the guys that warned that the enemy was coming. So, so I'm thinking like they're out there, like they're like, like out there, right? The, the, the guy says, were you doing picket duty on the night of 1862? Sankey goes, yeah. The the guy goes, so did I, but I was serving in the Confederate Army, and when I saw you standing at your post, I thought to myself, you will never get away alive. I raised my musket, I took aim, I'm standing in the shadow, completely concealed, while the full light of the moon was falling on you. He, He goes on to say, at that instant, you raised your eyes to heaven, and you began to sing. And he said, I thought to myself, let him at least end his song before I massacre him. He goes on to say, but the song that you sang was the song that you just sang now. And I heard the words perfectly. We are thine. Do thou befriend us. Be thy guardian of our way. And he said, those words stirred my memories because I began to think about my childhood and my God-fearing mother. And she had many times sung that song to me. 
And when you had finished your song, he said, it was impossible for me to shoot you. And, and, and he says, I thought the Lord who was able to save that man from certain death must surely be great and mighty. And then he said this, that his arm, according to its own accord, dropped limp at his side. And I thought, you know what, in the same way, we have different types of enemies all around us watching and waiting for the opportunity to strike. But we also have a shepherd. When we have a shepherd that is looking out for you and for me, and when we stay close to the shepherd, the enemy can't get near us. David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. One of the main points of the verse is that God is our shepherd, and he would provide for, for his flock. And the evidence here is that God had provided a, a table or a feast for, for him in the presence of his enemies. And he had filled his cup with joy. The, the word table here is synonymous uh, with feast. And the meaning is, is that you provide for my wants. And there may be an allusion here to some particular period in the life of David. A point in his life where he was in want and perhaps he felt that that he was going to die at some point. And when God had unexpectedly provided for his wants. It's impossible, I think, really to come up with the exact event that he's referring to here. But, But there are numerous occasions in the life of David that would be well represented by this language of as if. God provided a meal for him in the very presence of his foes. And it says in in the presence of his enemies, that is in spite of them. Or or so they couldn't even prevent it. And they were compelled to look on and to see how God provided for him. And it was clear, by the way, that this is from God. Right? This is proof of divine favor. And it furnished an assurance that that he who had done this would never leave him to want. And their enemies were compelled to see how he intercedes on their behalf. And how he provides. And how he defends them. What we need to do is we need to learn to focus on the feast. To enjoy the feast Instead of looking at the enemy. How how many of you enjoyed the feast this last Thursday? Right? Good food. God's blessing. You you know what my prayer was going into Thursday? My, My prayer was this, is that you enjoyed the feast instead of obsessing on every little problem and detail that that the day presented. Right? Because if you're like me, I'm like... Perfect. Everything's got to be right, right? Table's got to look good. Food's got to be right. So, so you know what happened this Thanksgiving in our house? My, my wife decides like an hour before we're going to eat, let's take the grandkids to a movie. I thought, great idea. We're going to eat in an hour. What's wrong with you? 
So guess what we did? We, we went to the movies. <laughs> no, actually, she went to the movies, and guess who had to finish Thanksgiving dinner? There you have it. Now i got to tell myself that all the time. Right? Just do your part. Let God do what God does. Let, let God do his thing. And don't let fear and the unknown prevent us from having joy in the walk with, with our king. All right, the next part of Psalm 23 is you anoint my head with oil. In the Hebrew, this is saying, you pour oil on my head so abundantly that it seems to be made fat with it. Right? The expression indicates abundance. The, the allusion is to this custom of anointing the head on festival occasions, and it's an indication of abundance and rejoicing. Right? Matthew 6.17, Luke 7.46. And then as I think about sheep again, I found out this past week that a danger that sheep face is the nose fly. Ever hear of that one? I hadn't. It's the nose fly. The nose fly tries to nest in the sheep's nose, and then it does this. It lays eggs to hatch a colony of larvae to burrow deep into the flesh that causes Severe inflammation on the poor little sheep's nose. And when sheep have nose flies, they become agitated and they stomp their feet. Sometimes they'll even bang their heads against the rock, right? Trying to get rid of the misery uh, that they're in. Ever done that? Right? Here's the cure. The cure for the problem and the prevention of it is to apply oil over the sheep's head and nose. And Keller writes, once the oil has been applied, there was an immediate change in behavior. Right? Gone is the aggravation. Gone is the irritability. Gone is the restlessness. Instead, the sheep would start to feed quietly again and soon lie down in peace and content. Keller says here, the oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to anoint us with his presence, then the anointances of life begin to lose their significance. Right? They lose the power to distract and to get us off track. Well, why does that happen? Glad you asked. You guys always ask great questions, by the way. Well, one is because we know who's in control, and two is because the Holy Spirit gives us enough peace and joy that we don't need to get stressed out over every little thing. Right? We see in other places in the Bible where oil is used as a means of refreshment. The Bible says in Psalms 104, verse 15, wine to make them glad, oil to uh, soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. And we know that it was also used to demonstrate a declaration. Kings and priests and prophets were anointed with oil to set them apart as God's chosen leaders. The symbolism behind the phrase, you anoint my head with oil, is that you and I can be anointed 
but by the Holy Spirit. And His presence in our lives can protect you. It will strengthen you and it will refresh you. All right, the last uh, phrase in verse 5. My cup overflows. And point here is that it's not merely full, but rather it runs over. This too indicates this idea of abundance. And from the abundance, the psalmist infers that God would always provide for him. And so what David is saying here is that I have more God than I can contain. Right? I have more blessings than, than room to hold them. My life in God is a life of abundance. And this Thanksgiving week, I don't know about you, but I was thinking about areas in my life in which my cup is running over. And maybe in your house you think about that um, on Thanksgiving. So, so I wrote a list. Well, where in my life are things that are running over? And I thought, like, I have more sermon ideas for this next year than I could ever preach in a year. I have more ministry opportunities than I could ever do. I have more friends than I can ever spend time with. I have a family that supports me and encourages me to do ministry. I have more books on my to-do or to-read list than, than I can possibly get to. I've experienced more answered prayer in my life than I probably can remember. And I've been forgiven more times than really I can count. And at the same time, the truth is, there's probably a couple of areas in my life where the cup isn't quite full. Right? And, and here is my temptation. My temptation is to spend all of my energy, all of my time, all of my focus on what isn't there. On what's missing in my life. And sure, I can ask God to provide those things. And he encourages us to bring all of our needs before him. That's a good thing to do. But, but I have to resist the temptation to define my life by what I don't have. Instead, I try to make it a point each day to think about the abundance in my life. The areas where God has provided. And when I do, I begin to realize that my cup runs over. And God does provide for me more than I could ever hope or think. Amen? I, I think you could do the same thing. All right, I've been closing each message with a series of homework assignments. And so last week was simple. We memorized the first four verses of Psalm 23. And then I asked you to repeat as many times as possible that you remember just to say, you are with me, right? And the idea was to help us practice the presence of God in our daily lives by reminding ourselves that he is with us all the time, everywhere. And so this week we'll continue memorizing Psalm 23, and we're going to go for the first five verses. But let's just read it aloud together uh, this morning. Uh, and this will kind of kick it off for the week. Uh, here we go. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So that's number one. Number two for this week is to yield to the Holy Spirit. Just to begin each day with a prayer asking the Holy Spirit to, to fill you, to anoint you, to refresh you, to strengthen you. And then number three, and you might have already done this since it's Thanksgiving week, but it's just to make a cup runs over list. Right? Just, just to uh, make that list areas of your life in which you have more than enough. And be creative with that list, by the way. Don't, don't just think about material things, but, but think through what God has given to you by way of the blessings that he gives you in your life. And then would you make it a point just to thank him? Just, just to thank God for giving you such an abundant, and just celebrate God's blessings in your life. And if we can take a minute to focus on the presence of God, I, I think we can then experience his presence. And I think we can do that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow. We, we can know that God is with us, that, that his presence will help us not to be fearful, and we can find comfort uh, in his word. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. And God, I want to thank you this morning for your amazing power and, and work in our lives. God, thank you for your goodness and for your blessings that you give to us. Thank you for your great love and care. Thank you for your sacrifice that, that you have made so we can have freedom in our lives. And then, God, would you forgive us for when we don't thank you enough? Sometimes we lack to thank you for who you are, for all that you do. And God, this morning, would you help us to set our eyes and our hearts just on you, afresh and anew, each day. God, renew our spirits this morning. Fill us with your peace and your joy. We love you this morning, God. We know that we need you. We need you today. We need you tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and the years ahead. And so this morning, we give you praise and thanks on this Thanksgiving weekend. For you alone are worthy. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.